Welcome to A Vague Knowledge of Everything. I am Rosie. I am Hope. Happy Sunday, Rosie. Happy Sunday, Hope. So, I've been getting angry because I've been doing (laughs) research. Uh, So, I did say we were going to talk about the fact that racism is one of the biggest factors in why cannabis is illegal federally in the U.S., There's a lot Mm -hmm, of caveats mm -hmm. there, federally, in the U.S. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) yes. So, yeah, it's a history of racism. And I was listening to uh, Seth Rogen on Armchair Expert because Hope recommended it to me the other day. And I thought he summed it up pretty well. So I'm going to try to play just a tiny little clip of what he said. (laughs) Enough to not have to pay people or get sued. So <laughs> I highly doubt that people at Armchair Expert care about our tiny little podcast. <laughs> That's true. And also, I feel like Seth Rogen would be like, what the fuck, man? Like, don't sue them for that. <laughs> so anyway, but here's what he had to say that kind of was a concise jumping off point for what I'm going to illustrate. The laws and attitudes the average person has towards weed who does not smoke weed all the time is completely like draconian and based on the lies of racist men who died a long time ago but whose lies remain and anyway so yeah he he goes on but that's uh that's basically what it is is and he actually goes on to point out some stuff that is kind of something I've been thinking about, but it was a little hard to to quantify. Was it, which is that like a lot of progressives and liberals and leftists of all like shapes and sizes, whatever you want to call yourself, have these these like views that are considered kind of radically leftist uh, until you get to drugs. And I think it's because people are concerned about this stuff that's you know might be happening because of drugs, but it is based on lies and racism. Uh, so yeah. it's kind of interesting the way that that's been embraced. So that's part of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but it's it gets a little bit heavy. So I thought I would start out by talking about one of the worst things I did under the influence of marijuana. And don't worry, this isn't a horrible story. This is a funny story. <laughs> because okay. in my lifetime, I haven't really done that many things while stoned that I'm like upset about. (laughs) So I mean, we all have things we've done. And I'm not saying I don't either, but not Wallstone. Anyway. uh, (laughs) But uh, so just it's kind of like a funny story that happened to me and my friend. But I think that this is something that is a lot more indicative of what is actually happening to like young people who go and smoke pot, um, as opposed to the stories we'll talk about later that they used to scare people in the 1930s, because we have to go back in history for this. So, so anyway, we're going to take a short dive back into history to about 2006 or seven, I suppose. Uh, it was with a friend. Yep. I was in college. I was with a friend. This was a bunch of friends, actually. Um, there was this like party that was well, every Wednesday well, night. I was going to say, set the scene. What college are we at? In oh, the what year college are we at? 2006. <laughs> okay. In the year of our Lord 2000, it was probably 2007, um, I, I think, actually. But uh, it was like a freshman or a sophomore, so I can't really remember. But uh, there was, like, the crowd of people that I was hanging out with was a crowd that smoked pot generally, did some drinking. I would say did more smoking pot, which was probably a better thing for us in general because we tend to do a lot more of, like, safe hangouts. Uh, but you know did some drinking did some smoking pot all those things that like kids do etc but I would say it was definitely more of the sort of hippie-ish end of things and we uh, my friends I keep almost saying her name so I'm just going to give her a different name and call her that so we'll call her Marigold Marigold there you go I was like I keep thinking of things that are too close to her real name but that's not close at all so uh Marigold and I (laughs) um shout out to Marigold if you're listening um you'll definitely know if it's you uh (laughs) so Marigold and I go to this uh this party that was part of a rotating uh rotating party where we'd make vegetarian sushi and there were drum circles because it's college and there was you know Mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. some chanting of ohm because i definitely hung out with some of those kind of hippies uh which like i feel kind of judgy with myself about it but at the same time like we had a really good time so it worked out it's not necessarily my scene now but i still like a lot of the parts of it 
because yeah. at least when we were doing that, it was pretty wholesome. Um, there wasn't even that much drinking to be had. It was just generally like people smoking pot and making sushi um, without fish even. So like there wasn't that much of a health concern. So we went to one of these parties on a Wednesday because when you're in college and you're 19, you can go to parties starting at nine o'clock on a Wednesday, um, which yeah. I cannot imagine now. Um, or I could go to that party. I just have to sleep the next day. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we go there and uh, and this this particular time, it was at a house that we hadn't been to before, which wasn't like that weird. Like normally it was the same group of people, like a large group of people and some others at whatever house. But we went to this one house we'd never been to that was on the other side of town. Um, turned out it was a weed dealer's house. This was in Washington mm -hmm. State. Mm -hmm. um, I'm... I mean, it's not like the college sponsored it. So I'll say I went to Western Washington University in Bellingham, Washington. Um, and this was like, like weed really wasn't the cop's main priority, but like it was a college town and you could get stopped for it. They probably would take it to the college and you'd have to go to like a class or something. But either way, I was still paranoid because I was a little bit of a goody two shoes. Um, Marigold had more experience, I would say. <laughs> so she was like not as concerned, but definitely like, you know, had that hair trigger reaction that I also did. Uh, so we're at this party and we're smoking a bunch of weed, whatever, and, you know, and at some point I'm in a room with like a bunch of people hanging out in a circle smoking weed. I think Marigold was in the other room, um, but I went, went into the kitchen to get a glass of water and I heard someone say, the cops are here. <laughs> and that was the point when myself, Marigold and several others took off running out the back door uh, like her shoes were near the back door. My shoes were not near the back door. So I took off running in oh, socks. Oh no. Um, it was in the wintertime. <laughs> so we're running, running, running. We run out the back door. We like, you know, fell into a ditch. You know, she dropped her phone. We had to go back and get her phone. But then we were like, okay, we're going to like loop around all cool. Cause it seems like things have calmed down. So we're going to come around and just, you know, say, Hey, what's up? What's going on? How, how's it going? You know? I'm not wearing shoes. It's no big deal. Uh, and we, we looped around and we had that conversation with the people sitting on the porch who were really confused by our appearance and kind of like were laughing at us because the cops had just come up to ask them if we, they'd seen someone. Like uh, there was a car that had like like a hit and run or something. And so they were just like uh, stopping by being like, hey, have you seen anyone? They clearly knew there was weed inside, clearly didn't care and had just... God. So we ran all the way around several blocks running from some cops who weren't chasing us. And yeah, there's definitely so that's one of the worst things that happened to me when I was high. <laughs> there's definitely a distinct experience going to school somewhere cold, going to a small school somewhere cold in the middle of nowhere. Cause I was going to college at the time when like those lacy see-through shirts mm -hmm. were in where you wear like a bandeau underneath. It's like, you know, you wear that, but I'd be wearing that with like, jeans and my snow boots and i've definitely run through the snow from cops wearing that outfit like how stupid are 19 year olds it's yeah so i mean and then we include ourselves in that like we totally were at that age like you know i'm not gonna get hypothermia <laughs> this will be fine i'm fine i'm full of booze i'm warm i i one time was giving my friend a, who is 6'3 a piggyback ride because that's what we did when we got drunk i would give him a piggyback ride and we fell into the snow, oh, I and I was I know like, who "This is, dude, the snow's warm." <laughs> Every all of our friends were like, "Get up, get up, get up right now! You're not okay." <laughs> Whoopsie. But yeah, no. So I think that 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 story it's a lot more realistic as to like what you're actually going to be doing in your stone, as opposed mm -hmm. to all these horrible things that these racist old dudes said. Yeah. In the 1930s, yeah. um, which is what we're going to jump into. So, yes. So yeah, okay. Uh, let's just back up a little bit. So we've had two episodes so far. We talked about the, like an intro to medical marijuana. We talked about how it actually functions in the body. Um, now mm -hmm. we're going to talk about some racism. Um, and we're going to be talking about a very specific piece of legislation called the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act. Um, that's Ooh. marijuana <laughs> spelled with an H because it is uh <laughs> anyway so um so yeah so this is one of the first well no it is the first federal piece of legislation that addresses cannabis uh in any form and actually this wasn't this wasn't something that had like just come to a head uh cannabis use had already existed in the u.s it was already something that happened uh, medicinally as well um so hemp and marijuana which they they group both of them 
Um, cannabis use as far as medicinal cannabis was something that did exist in the form of things like tinctures uh, and stuff like that. So that's uh, an alcohol solution basically that's then, you know, carrying the properties of the plant and you can get that from soaking it in alcohol for a really long time or mm. actually fairly shorter because alcohol infuses pretty quickly. Um, so I've made tinctures by leaving it in there for about 24 hours. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of like, that's the way they were taking the medicine, which becomes more important later because it was kind of when smoking was introduced, then it became a bigger deal because of that and some other things. Um, so initially any cannabis that was being used was being used as a tincture. Um, <laughs> I have seen some like, you know, fun facts about cannabis articles that claim that Queen Victoria used it, but I'm not convinced by timelines and stuff. Mm. Um, but it was used as like, um, it was used for migraines. It was used for sometimes like really bad cramps. Uh, it's, you know, it was used as a pain reliever generally. Uh, and, you know, just kind of one of those cure-all things that they had back then because things tended to be less specific. So, you know, <laughs> take some of this, take some of this, see what happens. Uh, but mm. cannabis was definitely in that. Um, separate from that, um, hemp, which, uh, so they didn't quite understand, I think, like they were learning more about the cultivation of it in the U.S. But just for anyone who doesn't know, uh, what we're referring to when we talk about hemp are the male plants. Generally, the male and the female plants get separated because the female plants uh, can, the female plants are the only ones that are going to produce the cannabis that you would smoke. Um, hemp will still produce a bud, but it's not going to do anything for you, really. Um, it might have CBD in it. Sometimes you can grow CBD rich hemp. But uh, generally, when you're talking about hemp, it is male plants or I suppose it could be fertilized female plants because the cannabis you get that you'd actually want to use, like the stuff that I use medicinally, uh, that is from female plants uh, that have not been fertilized. So that's why you have to separate them. And if you don't separate them, it basically, it it makes the product something that you really wouldn't want. So, mm -hmm. so if you're getting hemp, which is a fibrous material that can be used in all kinds of like industrial ways, uh, it could be used in food and birdseed and clothing and all these kinds of ways that they were using it back then. Um, actually, in 1619 in Virginia, there was a law passed that required hemp to be grown on every farm of the colony. Um, what? Yeah, what? because it was considered like a proper form of currency and because they used it for so many things. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, oh, it was used also for for rope and paper. So. Yeah, so That's so rope, paper, cloth, uh, and many other things were gotten from hemp. So it was kind of a big deal back then. But the medicinal use of cannabis wasn't a very big deal in like early America, but it existed. But the main reason for hemp production was for textiles, like for things that we need to to live our lives. Uh, so. So just, just for people's background, like it existed, but it wasn't like necessarily widespread medicine use, uh, certainly wasn't widespread in the colonies. Um, mm. Certainly there would have been Native Americans who would have used it. Uh, but but yeah, so as far as, as the white people, uh, we were only using it in the form of like tinctures that would come in droppers and stuff. So the, uh, so the act of smoking marijuana was something completely different and foreign. Oh, okay. But, yeah, so I, I just think that's important because the smoking of it is kind of what kicks off the initial sort of the seed of the war on drugs, I'll say. Uh -huh. But uh, anyway, so moving forward in history, um, in 1842, William B. O'Shaughnessy studied medical cannabis in India. Uh, he subsequently popularized its use in the U.S. He recommended it as a pain reliever and as an anti-nausea medication. Um, so again, that's going to be in the tincture form probably because most people weren't smoking that. Uh, yeah, so 1842, he was popularizing it as a medicine. Um, then also 1850, cannabis sativa was added to the United States Pharmacopoeia, um, which is basically like here are the medicines we have that we can use for various things, you know? So it's, mm. it's put, it's put somewhere saying this is medicine. This is what it's used for. Um, and it was put in there um, as it's, it was said that it was the prime medicine for more than a hundred illnesses or diseases, uh, which, you know, <laughs> evidence of medical use. It's kind of funny that we now <laughs> say there's no evidence of that. I mean, okay. I do understand like, yes, like ye old doctors didn't necessarily always do the best things. <laughs> so I'm not saying ye that old doctors. I trust them. 
Ye old doctors are responsible for a lot of misinformation. And it's like, it's funny because the stuff that we find important to correct, we do. And then the other things we just don't correct. And like, it's just really weird what we choose to believe, you know, like the whole thing about corsets being bad for you, like was, you know, those doctors weren't studying reality. Anyway, uh, so because ye old doctors. It's because <laughs> ye old doctors were ye old white men. Yes. Which was most of the problems that happened. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but there are a lot of doctors who agreed uh, that that cannabis was a decent medicine back then and now. So anyway, so so that is something that is backed up by science, whether you want to believe it or not. And they certainly did not want to believe it. Yeah. So uh, so up until up until like uh, the late 1800s, it was still used as medicine. It was still prescribed and doctors were still taught to prescribe it as medicine. Um, Sir William Osler's textbook, The Principles and Practice of Medicine, became the leading medical text in the English-speaking world. And it asserts that the cannabis is the most satisfactory remedy for migraines. So mm. there is, yeah, so, so there is actually <laughs> quite a bit of history when you look back you can tell it has been used as medicine. It has been used recreationally, but the recreational use was generally not by white people at first. And that's kind of, I think, where you see that separation, you know, where people are thinking like, oh, no, this is medicine. We can't use it recreationally, even though in India, you know, in South America, a bunch of other places, it's been used as both for thousands yeah. and thousands of years um probably pe uh, there's evidence that cannabis use actually predates jesus so you know there's wow <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff going on um and you know and it's it's kind of it, it's across the world it's not everywhere in the world but it's in a lot of different places and then in 1903 the u.s saw its first marijuana prohibition law in brownsville texas um this is really Okay, so this isn't federal, but the reason I'm putting it in there is because this law was only applicable to Mexicans. <laughs> like, literally, they were not even hiding it. Just like, hey, you Mexicans, we don't like what you're doing over there. And because white people have chosen, you know, alcohol and opiates and other things of the, as their drug of choice, then we can very easily penalize you because it's just Mexicans. Um, or at least it was in Brownsville, Texas. So. so much of this comes down to white men deciding that they were the best. Mm -hmm. That's literally all this comes down to. Is like, we're going to tell oh, you yeah. what to do because there's like more of us and we're stronger than you. So like we have this power. Wait till so. we get to Harry Anslinger. He is <laughs> he's a piece of work. And we have some, some prime quotes that show his motivations for the 1937 Tax Act, which we'll get to. So, uh, so this next part is from an article entitled "The Origin of the Word Marijuana." Uh, so, I did find, I, I did find some stuff on, sort of something I've been thinking about recently, because I've heard more and more that the word marijuana is racist. Uh, I, I didn't really, I, I didn't find enough evidence to actually make me believe that. Um, I think that honestly. The reason that it seems to be racist is because the word marijuana really wasn't used prior to the Mexican Revolution, uh, because in 1910, um, so, sorry, between 1910 and 1920, we saw a lot of Mexican immigrants come into the U.S. Um, these were immigrants uh, who were seeking refuge from the Civil War. So I would call them refugees. Uh, most sources that I've looked at haven't. But anyway, so I would call them refugees. But they were coming in and they were bringing with them some of their cultural habits. And one mm -hmm. of those was growing and smoking marijuana, um, whether that was for medicinal or for recreational uses. Um, but really, that was one of the first times in the U.S. that there was any kind of significant group of people who were engaged in smoking of marijuana instead of using it as a tincture. And so then that was like a different thing. Also, they called it marijuana instead of cannabis. So when it started to be a thing that was demonized, they were calling it marijuana because that was something that is foreign. So it's, mm. you know, it sounds foreign. It's scary. All of these other people are coming in. We're always afraid of immigrants for, you know, no matter what, why they're here, there's always people who are going to be afraid of immigrants. So 
yeah, so you come up with this new word and you latch it onto these this group of people who you can then say are, you know, stealing jobs or resources or whatever it is. And then yeah. it becomes a thing where the drug is connected to the people. So, right. yeah, that's that's one of the things it's very, very clear that there's a connection there um, because we got so many immigrants and then suddenly this became a big deal. But a lot of people will definitely say like, oh, no, that was, you know, that's that that was just a coincidence or, oh, well, it was still bad. It just happened to be that group. Like, that's not true. It was targeted racism. Yeah. Anyway, so I'll get off my soapbox and just go back to my notes because I got all hot mad there for a sec. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I have this part written in my notes. It's like, so cannabis wasn't dangerous until Mexican refugees were using it. Interesting. <laughs> so, uh, mm. so. Anyway, uh, the other thing that was really helpful to people who, and to the, you know, racist white men who were trying to get cannabis banned were, okay, so the other thing that was helpful was the fact that Black people also enjoyed using cannabis. Um, not all, of course, but during the 1920s in the U.S., there was... Um, the rise of jazz music uh and that was something yeah. that became very very popular and there were a lot of very popular jazz musicians who influenced culture and uh because of that uh marijuana kind of did claim a place in jazz culture it's very very yeah it, it really really influenced a lot of things and if you look into it you can see kind of the spider webbing effect of you know like all of these people who are using marijuana all these songs you didn't know were about marijuana like it, it's a really interesting thing um like cucaracha for example is about marijuana but that's not a jazz song but anyway there was a song called muggles uh that i was talking about on uh the jk Rowling podcast that we did that was completely unrelated uh but that song was by I think it was by Louis Armstrong. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so there's the song Muggles by Louis Armstrong. Uh, so that was actually before it was a Harry Potter thing. It was slang for cannabis. So there was definitely a huge culture around it in the <laughs> Black community and in the Mexican community. So it was like a very, very prime setting for Harry Anslinger to come on and be a giant piece of trash. Uh, yeah. Oh, I forgot to say, musicians like uh, Louis Armstrong, Cab Calloway, and Billie Holiday, uh, among others, smoked it uh, for creativity and other aspects of life, and they sang songs about it like muggles. Sorry, that was part nice. of my notes. Anyway, uh, so Harry Anslinger, in the 1930s, was appointed as the founding commissioner of the Treasury's Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Uh, so preceding the DEA, there have been a couple different... Um, yeah, there have been a couple different federal bodies that were supposed to regulate narcotics. Um, and this, I don't believe this was the first, but this was one of the early ones. So um, I'm going to be calling it the FBN because that's what, you know, it's like the FBI, but it's narcotics instead of investigation. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so he was the this, founding commissioner this, of this. This just makes me think of the Bill Hader beginning to Superbad. When he's, it's like the 60s and they're all smoking and he's like trying marijuana and he's like, this shit is amazing. We need to sell this to everybody. And then he gets like carted away somewhere. <laughs> you remember that? No, I don't. I'm going to have to watch that again. That's amazing. Oh my God. I'm not endorsing anything James Franco right now. That is a great movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of those frustrating things is listening to that interview with uh, Seth Rogen. I really wanted to go back and watch Pineapple Express, but I also don't want to because James Franco is one of the main characters. Did I say super bad? So, yeah. I meant Pineapple Express. That's oh, what okay. I'm a Pineapple Express. Mm. Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Seth, they were supposed to be swapped. Like he was supposed to play the stoner and James Franco was supposed to play the salesman guy, but they decided to switch because they thought it'd be funnier. And it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which is so too bad. so yeah. So Harry Anslinger, yeah, and the uh, the FBN. Uh, so so initially the FBN was engaged in uh, making sure that the prohibition of alcohol laws could be enforced. So that wasn't uh, they they weren't created just for what we would consider drugs because like alcohol is a drug, but a lot of people don't put it in that category, um, but it is regulated similarly. And 
that was what they were regulating at first. And actually, uh, Harry Anslinger had really no opinion on cannabis, it didn't seem, until the end of Prohibition. And then 1933, the end of Prohibition comes around and he's like, ooh, I gotta figure out why we need to still exist, basically. Oh. Because, uh, yeah, because if they didn't need to enforce Prohibition, then... Like, it's not like they are then going to be the ones regulating because the regulating departments are going to do that. So <laughs> the Federal Bureau of Narcotics needs a job to do. And so for that, they need to demonize drugs. And they didn't, unfortunately, have enough. Well, I say unfortunately, they didn't have enough uh, to do in terms of cocaine and heroin, which were the uh, the other like main drug, quote unquote, threats. Um, and I think those ones, to be honest, I think those would be considered threats in my opinion, because they actually do horrible things to most people who use them, mm -hmm. um, where marijuana doesn't anyway. But uh, they didn't have enough of that to actually, uh, <laughs> they didn't have enough of that to make up the money that they would need to basically pay their salaries. And so they're like, we have to have a reason to make the FBN exist. We're going to demonize marijuana. And so they started a campaign of that. Uh, William Randolph Hearst, who was... Um, like the Hearst magazine magnate uh, helped a lot with that. Um, he pushed a lot of Anslinger's views and both of them were very racist. Uh, so it was a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> he, uh, oh yeah, I have, have here, it says lucky for Harry, he was super racist. So he was all for making up stories about the effects of marijuana and what effect it had on the, quote, degenerate races, unquote, meaning anyone yeah. who wasn't white. Yeah. He actually does refer to uh, people who are black and Mexican as the degenerate races. Um, and this is a person who we're holding up as, you know, a leader in drug enforcement. So um, he consistently sought only anecdotal evidence, um, and he only wanted to hear about the negative effects. Um, he ignored the thoughts and opinions uh, and suggestions of doctors and scientists who did not agree with him. Uh, which was most mm -hmm. of them. Uh, there was actually mm -hmm. one situation where he, there were 30 pharmacists polled and Anslinger only listened to one because that was the only one who said that marijuana was bad. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's great. So he's like, so this information, when I like went through the trial notes and all that stuff, I, I was like, this information is all, it's only the people who say bad things who are being put here. There's no other argument being made. Um, so here's a few of the things that Anslinger had to say about marijuana and about the people who smoke it. Uh, it's their shitty, horrible views, but I want to say them so uh -huh. we can see who is in charge of this legislation that led to the Controlled Substances Act, that led to the war on drugs, all of that stuff. Like this was the beginning of that snowball kind of. Uh, and this is the guy who was behind it. So, quote, there are 100,000 total marijuana smokers in the U.S., and most are Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. Apparently, entertainer is a race. Um, <laughs> their satanic music, jazz and swing, result from marijuana use. I, that sounds great to me. Uh, sorry, I need to stop putting my opinions in here. Um, this marijuana causes white women to seek sexual relations with Negroes, entertainers, and any others. Wow! Unquote. Yeah. <laughs> We must protect the white women because they might not want to hang out with white men anymore. <laughs> so oh that was God. one of the this things is... he said. Um, then, then also, um, quote, the primary reason to outlaw marijuana is its effect on the de degenerate races, unquote. Quote, marijuana is an addictive drug which produces in its users insanity, criminality, and death, unquote. Quote, Marijuana leads to pacifism and communist brainwashing. It's interesting that it can lead to violence and pacifism. Um, quote, you smoke a joint and you're likely to kill your brother, unquote. <laughs> quote, marijuana is the most violence-causing drug in the history of mankind, no, unquote. It's not. But it also leads to pacifism. I love that. Um, and here is one that it's just really the icing on the cake of the racist confectionery um reefer makes darkies think they're as good as white men he literally said that this, so. this is where intersectionality comes in because not only are we talking about marijuana but now we're talking about marijuana and the objective objectification of the male black body which is a whole other podcast mm -hmm. that's really bad yeah 
it's like uh, and the whole thing about like it making white women you know seek the company of black men entertainers whoever he thinks are like bad people whatever like it's maybe you need to take a look at your own company if you're afraid of your woman leaving you for other people's company yeah so we have to remember that this this legislation that kind of was the kicking off point it didn't actually make cannabis illegal and we'll talk about that um but it was the kicking off point for making cannabis federally illegal and it's based on a lot of horrible shit that's not related to science at all. That uh, I so, want to say is yeah. outdated, but it's still pretty relevant, unfortunately. Yeah. So anyway, I, like, I really think it's important to look at our governmental like policies and all that as evolving. So, mm-hmm. you know, we should our constitution evolves. That's why we have amendments, you know, like that's. All of this stuff can evolve and our drug policy can evolve and we can say, oh, we were wrong about this stuff. But of course, it's going to mean we have to say we're wrong about a lot of stuff. Yeah. So. All right. So now we're going to go. I did go through the actual text of the act itself and of the statements that people made because they had their, quote, expert witnesses, unquote, unquote. Most of it, um, as I have said before, like there wasn't anyone there who was arguing for Uh, like against this act they weren't arguing you know for anyone who wanted to use cannabis to be able to do it without this taxation um and i'm not against it being taxed but it's a pretty heavy tax as you'll see and they make it just really irritating and annoying to to do this so effectively it made it illegal by making it so difficult and by making the penalties so big Um, but anyway so here's just some excerpts that i thought were interesting um so this is from section four uh Subsection A, it says, it shall be unlawful for any person required to register and pay the special tax under the section two, or sorry, under the provisions of of section two, to import, manufacture, produce, compound, sell, deal in, dispense, distribute, prescribe, administer, or give away marijuana without having registered or paid such tax. Hmm. Which is like, it's unlawful for you, if you're required to do it, it's unlawful for you not to do it, which, okay, great. Um, It's just legalese that doesn't mean a whole lot. But uh, then B, it says, in any suit of proceeding to enforce the liability imposed by this section or section two, if proof is made that marijuana was at any time growing upon land in control of the defendant, such proof shall be presumptive evidence that at such time the defendant was a producer and liable under section, or under this section or section two. So what that Mm. means is... Basically, if you're someone who was growing marijuana and was like supplying it to a doctor who's prescribing it to patients, et cetera, that kind of stuff. Um, if you were a person who's doing that, you can't seek to do it legally unless you completely demolish your entire business first. Like you have to break down everything. And I think a lot of people would just think like, okay, it's not worth it for me to build it back up again if I have to like, because because it says, you know, if if marijuana was at any point growing or any time growing upon the land in control of the defendant. So it means you can't own the land that you have now if you were growing marijuana on it. You have to sell that and you have to have different land, I suppose. You know, there's, it's just all this stuff where like, it makes it so hard for someone who was legitimately trying to do it and trying to obey the letter of the law. It makes it so hard as to be unreasonable. And they're like, fuck it, let's grow corn. You know, like, I don't, (laughs) I don't need to do this right now, (laughs) you know, because it would cost so much uh, to, yeah, to deconstruct your whole business. And then you have to also then pay the taxes up front in order to be able to grow. So, so yeah, that was the whole thing. Then we have, and this is, this is also a very important one. It's uh, section 5B, subsection 5, line C which I'm just saying because I want people to know I actually did read through it. Okay. So anyway, it says I did, the my sec- homework. <laughs> I did my homework. I'm not just saying I read it and did my research. Uh, <laughs> it says the secretary shall cause suitable forms to be prepared for the purposes before mentioned and shall cause them to be distributed to collectors for sale, uh, which basically it means that uh, the secretary who I believe is the secretary of the treasury, I'm not correct myself if I was wrong, but um, was responsible for making sure that these stamps that they needed in order to, you know, prove that they paid the tax, they, they need to make sure that those stamps existed. Um, now, after this, there's very little evidence that, that many stamps were actually issued. So I kind of think that they 
just decided not to issue that many uh, as a part of it, but I haven't quite quantified that. So I need to look for more info. But then uh, in section seven, it states the tax for having registered is a dollar per ounce of marijuana or fraction thereof, which is about $18 in buying power today. Um, it also, I believe that's also the tax you have to pay every time you buy, which would have been a pretty big, significant amount more. Egregious. Uh, yes. Uh, and then for people not having registered, the fine would be about $100, which is about $1,800 in buying power today, which seems like an insane amount for like what's effectively a citation. Yeah. So, so there's that. Um, couple other things we've got here there's also section 7a subsection 2 line c uh payment i know this is really boring for some people but i i gotta i gotta go into some of it You're payment of the tax diligence payment of the tax herein provided shall be represented by appropriate stamps to be provided by the secretary and said stamps shall be affixed by the collector as representative to the original order form effectively saying like you have to get this all up front and if you don't get it up front and if you fuck it up Section 12 says that you will, uh, if you are in a violation of any provision under this act, so that's literally any portion of the thing, you could be buying something and not get the right stamp at the right time. You could be selling something, producing something, whatever you're doing. It doesn't have to be malicious, uh, but if you accidentally make a mistake, you can be fined not more than $2,000, which today is about $37,000. Um, which seems excessive, uh, or imprisoned not more than five years, or both um, wow. in the discretion of the court. So if you had a biased judge, they could literally fine you the equivalent of $37,000 today and put you in jail for five years for like not having a stamp for getting, you know, the amount that I buy every week. Sounds familiar. Yeah. So, so there's that. Uh, and then we're almost through the bill. Um, but uh, they do say in Section 13, effectively, they're saying it's the defendant's job to prove that they're innocent and that there's no burden of proof put on the courts, which basically is guilty until proven innocent, which is not supposed to be the way that our government works, which is also probably part of the reason that this uh, was deemed unconstitutional later. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, so that's kind of the end of like the little bits I wanted to bring up. There's a lot more to the act. Um, there's a lot about farming, but the farming isn't really the portion that I'm like really focusing on, um, to be quite honest. But there's there's a lot about farming, and basically they said for people who are farming hemp, um, like for industrial purposes or for textiles or whatever, that they did also have to pay a tax, but it was considerably lower and it was per year. Um, so they were in that, but it also was a thing where it made it more difficult for hemp producers to do so legally. And so a lot of them ended up abandoning it anyway. Um, but mm. so there's that. Uh, but then there's they have some statements going on. And let me see here. OK, so they they make a lot of baseless claims. Um, but there's there's one thing where I want to I want to have you play Senator Davis here. Okay, and I have a question that I want you to ask me. And I'm just going to put it in the chat. And then I'll have you ask me that question. And then I will answer in the way that Clinton Hester did. Just okay. to make you guys understand how shifty these guys are being. All right. So I'm, I'm rusty on my improv skills, but we'll see. How okay. This goes. Just pretend that you're like I, an entitled white man for no reason. Yeah, like an entitled white man that. who's gotten a lot of stuff probably without, uh, you know, having done anything for it. So, yeah. And and also, you probably think that this bill is totally fine and you're kind of there to rubber stamp it. So I'm a governor? What year no, no you're a senator. Yeah, you're a senator Senators. and this is 1937. Oh, okay. Let me see here. I've been watching a lot of Outlander where they're talking about like governors and like, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. So I had to get in the right time frame. <laughs> yeah, we're not so, quite in like ye old doctor time. I was going to say, do I think women are witches for being smart? I mean, I might. Okay, there we go. So ask me that question and then I will answer as Clinton Hester, Assistant General Counsel, Treasury Department. Okay. Do I understand you to say that the primary purpose of this bill is to raise revenue? 
The primary purpose of this legislation must be to raise revenue because we are resorting to the taxing clause of the Constitution, and the rule is that if on the face of the bill it appears to be a revenue bill, the courts will not inquire into any other motives that Congress may have in enacting this legislation. Wow! <laughs> Wowie wow! So if the purpose was actually to raise revenue, he could have just been like, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> but he did not say that. I, I want to be surprised, but this actually tracks with it, our government pretty well. And effectively what he's saying is like, well, it looks like it is, so you can't ask me if it is. Which means it isn't. Like, <sighs> it's like the obviousness of them evading that is just so clear. And like, sure, it's it's an acceptable answer, I suppose. But like, no follow-ups, really? But is it? Yeah. It, yeah, it's really not. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, um, and he he later, oh, and I think he later says the Supreme Court has held that where on the face of the act it appears to be a taxing measure, the fact that it happens to be prohibitive in character will not affect its constitutionality. So basically they're saying like, like, yes, this seems like it could be not about actual taxes and revenue. It seems like it could be racist, but you're not allowed to ask us because it's technically about taxes and it's technically constitutional because it's a tax measure, even though it prohibits what you're allowed to do in your life. It's, it's mm. very, it's very strange anyway. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not good stuff. And that's the kind of statement that they are relying on. Those are the kind of people who are proving their case at least yeah. according to them. Um, so they're really not proving the case. And like, yeah, someone answering like that is basically just saying like, it's like when um, um, OJ Simpson wrote that book, If I Did It, like you're basically just saying, yeah, that that happened. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> but if you're, you're doing that, that face of the meme where the guy's like, just the, the blinking and surprise meme where the guy's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, let me, oh my God, look it up. If Do you I... want to hear about the peak meme that I saw for that just real quick while you're looking something up? Sure. And it says the end of Romeo and Juliet. And it's one row, row is Juliet, one is Romeo. And it's them like switching whose eyes are open and closed. But at the end, both of them are closed because they both die. And they both think the other one's dead at one point. So it's Romeo's eyes are open and Juliet's are closed. <laughs> and then Romeo's eyes are closed and Juliet's are open. And then they're both closed. Aww. Which I, I was like, this is peak English major meme right here. Uh, yeah, so I, I looked it up and like, you can still buy that O.J. Simpson book if I did it. I mean, don't Wait. buy it, but it's on thrift books I for mean, $4. I mean, he's not making money off of that. He's in jail. I love so. thrift books. So I love thrift books, too. We're not sponsored by them, but oh, my God. I got this what book. What a sponsor. I got this book, Smoke Signals, which is like the best resource that I have found. Um, and I actually listened to it on Audible and then I still bought it mm -hmm. anyway because I was like, damn, that's so good. That's where I got my Henrietta Lacks book that we talked about. Um, it was $4. I've gotten so many books there. I Anyway, guys, 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 go to Thrift Books. Uh, so, okay, so now we're, now we're going to go on. Anyway, so that just kind of tells you how evasive this Clinton Hester guy is. Um, and he's definitely on the same team as Anslinger. And they're just, they're just throwing out there anything that they think will stick as a reason that marijuana is bad. So, um, uh, yeah, Anslinger makes, like, he makes a lot of claims, but they're not, he doesn't back them up at all. He enters into evidence, like, letters that are written to him. Like, there's a letter from a newspaper that's like, thank you so much for fighting against it. You know, like, it's literally just bullshit, where it's just like, okay. these are all the people who agree with me. Well, okay, where's your actual info? Uh, so when asked how many, uh, and I have in quotes, because uh, it just says how many cigarettes, but they're talking about marijuana cigarettes, otherwise known as joints. Um, when asked how many Ooh. marijuana cigarettes could lead to violent behavior, Anslinger had this to say. I believe in some cases, one cigarette might develop a homicidal mania, probably to kill his brother. It depends on the physical char characteristics of the individual. Every individual reacts differently to the drug. That's actually true. Um, it stimulates some and others it depresses. 
It is impossible to say just what the action of the drug would be on a given individual or the amount. Probably some people could smoke five before it would take effect, but all the experts agree that the continued use leads to insanity. There are many cases of insanity. Oh my yep. God. That's no. Okay. Like, and also we have to understand that when, like, even if they're citing cases of marijuana induced insanity you often see that there was a lot of other shit that actually led to that you know so it's like oh they're using marijuana in addition to drinking heavily every day you know like <laughs> all this stuff um well i watched a lot of anti-marijuana propaganda stuff on youtube mm -hmm. over this last over is this that weekend. the one you sent me i did <laughs> there was well i watched a bunch of them that was that one was one of the shorter ones i think but i watched one that was an hour long and it's just called marijuana um and it's it's so ridiculous like the plot line is basically that everyone's life has to get ruined because of marijuana and like they they're getting so into their own story like so it's it's these okay for, for, first of all anyone who is a person of color in the film is a bad person who smokes marijuana obviously um, but white people smoke it too uh, but the, the the white people who are smoking it are like, there's these two shifty gangster characters who are trying mm -hmm. to get everyone to use it and mm -hmm. have a party at their house, which all of these, like, I think they're like, like maybe older teenagers or maybe early 20 somethings. They like all agree to go to a party at a stranger's house uh, on the beach just cause I guess. And then there's a scene of all of these like girls going up to this table and going, well, and I'm paraphrasing here cause I don't remember the exact quote, but they're like, what haven't we tried yet? And there's like this table full of all this kind of booze. Oh, so they're clearly God. fucked the hell up. Like they've had a lot to drink possibly other drugs like we're not really sure in this scenario and Cross then dated. they smoke marijuana and then that's the reason that they all you know decide to go skinny dipping and one of them drowns and then eventually like because of because of something or other that happens that night uh like two of them sleep together and then like one of the girls gets pregnant and so the guy goes to get a job but he goes to the dealer for a job and then he dies because marijuana and then she goes to work for the dealer and then she eventually like stages a kidnapping but then the kid is the kid that she gave up and like it's all it's just all insane like guys you went so far into this storyline like i thought it was gonna end after somebody died from going into mm -hmm. the water and it would be a cautionary tale but they went so hard that like i cannot imagine anyone taking that seriously but apparently people did I would recommend that people watch on YouTube the Trixie and Katya episode of uh, where they're talking about drugs and drinking because I don't know if she was at this time, but Katya is in recovery now, but they interspersed the whole episode with like a 70s ad of a guy being like, my life was ruined by crack cocaine and marijuana. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> That's okay. That's one of the situations where I'm like, crack cocaine and marijuana. Do you think that the marijuana the was a huge part of it? Because I feel like it was mostly the crack. Like, that's Trixie. like, I, from what I know about it. Trixie so. has the same, <laughs> like, experience with drugs that I do where I'm high for like three days. And then I don't touch it again for like five years. And then I forget. And I'm like, oh, let me try this again. And she said that. She was on Drag Race, and she was trying to keep up with Latrice, who's another drag queen. So she was smoking with her, and she got back to her hotel room and was like, bye, bye, guys. And she got into her room and said, I'm alive for the first time. <laughs> so she, she hooked up with a guy with a blue beard and said that she had blue glitter around her butt the next day. <laughs> oh, It's so funny. So everyone go watch that. And oh think about Harry Anslinger. <laughs> drugs are not for everybody but sometimes they are <laughs> yeah that's true drugs are not for everyone and that's and that's totally fine and i am not saying that they are i'm going to make sure in every single episode i do in this series that i say drugs are not for everyone and that's fine like yeah not, i am not saying that everyone should smoke marijuana but i am saying that the reason it was outlawed is based on racism especially with marijuana i think it goes along with our uh western ideas about sex where it's not as good or evil as people say it is yeah, it just is. It's just a thing and it doesn't have morals. Yeah, and I and I think that people tend to think that cannabis activism just essentially has to swing in that opposite direction, you know, because like if drugs aren't bad, then drugs are the best. And like mm -hmm. for some people, 
like yeah for some people cannabis does make their lives just amazingly better like it just immensely but for most people like it's just like it's a tool in your toolkit you know like that's the thing we talk about in therapy is you know your tools that you have in your toolkit that help you you know be the best (laughs) you know like have the best time generally so yeah, that 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 wanting to swing back in the other pendulum, uh, sorry, swing the pendulum back in the other direction and say only good things is also misleading. So I, I do want to make sure people know, like, I'm, it's still not for everyone. But I want to like by this, basically, my point was trying to illustrate the fact that at least in the US, science did not affect this legal decision at all. Okay, mm-hmm. this this was people coming and saying whatever they wanted that was based on racism and also they were just kind of just using racist arguments like you know talking about the fact that white women would hook up with you know any other kind of man who wasn't a white man you know it's just it's just racism guys so mm-hmm. um anyway so they they did talk a lot about farming but i'm not really going to go into that as much just because it's not kind of the bulk of what i'm interested <laughs> in discussing right. but uh but yeah they talked a lot about farmers Uh, But basically the aftermath of this was that it made it so difficult for doctors and patients alike to get cannabis. It made it really hard to grow cannabis because, again, there's that weird clause that says, you know, if you've been found to have been growing, then, you know, then you're liable for all this stuff. So people basically were like, well, I'm not going to say that I was so that I can continue because then I'm going to be in the hole a bunch of money. And most people decided that they didn't want the heavy fines like they didn't want to pay that much in taxes and honestly like there's a lot of record keeping that was involved as well like you need to keep records of like every patient you recommended it to for the last two years which like i kind of hope a lot of doctors do that kind of stuff but anyway yeah (laughs) uh apparently apparently that was more than a lot of doctors were willing to do um and they just stopped recommending it as much so there weren't that many marijuana uh tax act stamps issued uh if if anyone wants to send me a gift i would very much like one of the original ones but they're like 250 dollars. you can get like mm-hmm. you can get like a metal sign that's like a reproduction and stuff but i looked i was like i just want one of the original ones because it would be I really cool to have one. it but it's very expensive so i'm not gonna buy one but if anyone if any of my rich friends want to send me one uh so <laughs> Anyway, moving ahead. Uh, For all the rich friends that we have. (laughs) I know, right? Um, Patreon.com slash acknowledge of everything. Make us rich. Uh, Yeah, anyway, so moving. Okay, I do want to just finish this up here because we're just about finished. And we're closing in on an hour, so that's a really nice, it's a good time period. So... So most doctors and cultivators just decided it wasn't worth it anymore. And it was kind of this weird, like, legal thing that it effectively outlawed cannabis use, even though it didn't actually outlaw it. Uh, It was ruled unconstitutional in 1969 after the Supreme Court found it to be in violation of the citizens' Fifth Amendment rights. Uh, Sorry, of citizens, not the citizen. There wasn't one person. Uh, So basically, uh, the Fifth Amendment, it it is pretty wordy, um, and there are a few things in it. But I'm just going to say the portion that I have highlighted because that's what actually applies to this. Uh, It says it starts with no person. And then later it says, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. So basically, you know, this, this law makes you have to incriminate yourself in order to try to use the drug you're trying to get because presumably if you're trying to get it for medical purposes, you're already using it because you know of the benefits and (laughs) <laughs> then you kind of have to, you know, answer questions about what you've done in the past and all that and uh-huh. why you're doing this now. So because it required people to incriminate themselves, they, uh, yeah, <laughs> basically people were like, all right, we're out. Uh, but this, this act, which again, it's the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act. Uh, you can look it up. I'm going to put all those, those sources on a blog posting for this episode on our webpage of acknowledge of everything.com so you can go check that out there you can look at the actual uh 
evidence for yourself, I will warn you, it is a lot of stuff to parse through. So if you're truly interested in it, I found a lot of information, but it will take a long time probably to get through it all. So, so yeah, so that's there, but that's kind of the first installment I wanted to do about the legality of cannabis in the US. Over the next few months, I want to sprinkle in, I think, two more episodes about at least the legal aspect. Um, I want to go basically up from the 37 Tax Act up through the scheduling of drugs. That's the Controlled Substances Act. Um, do you have any shout outs this week? All right. My first shout out is to Martin A. Lee because he wrote, I know you can't, that people can't see me, but I'm holding this up so you can see. Um, Martin A. Lee <laughs> seems to write a bit about drugs. I haven't read his other books, but I kind of want to now because um, he wrote one about acid as well. But this is called Smoke Signals, uh, and the subheading is A Social History of Marijuana, Medical, Recreational, and Scientific. Um, and it's really, really good because it talks about kind of the whole spider web. It's not just talking about um, how you can use cannabis as medicine. It also talks about who was using it when and the history and how things uh, kind of progress. I talked about just a tiny sliver of that history, but anyone who's interested in it, I would definitely recommend it. Um, <laughs> I did get my copy from Thrift Books, but it's a little bit of a newer one, so it was like 20 bucks. Uh, but anyway, I would highly recommend that book, Smoke Signals. Also, Brave New Weed by Joe Dolce is a very good one. And The Pot Book, which is... Edited by Julie Holland, MD, and it has other contributors as well. But uh, those were some books that I used that were really good. Also, uh, Leafly is a really good site that has a lot of information about cannabis, and they have a lot of historical information as well. Uh, so they are a very good site. And shout out to Seth Rogen, because he gave me an excellent <laughs> soundbite for the beginning there. Uh, I, I thought about actually using a soundbite from some propaganda, but I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. No. Um, even if I'm laughing that at cocaine it. cocaine ruined my life. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, shout out to Seth Rogen. He, <laughs> he also has like a line of home goods that's like real bougie. Houseplant. Oh, house yeah. Houseplant. They don't sponsor us, but I would love if they did because then I might get some free samples of that stuff because it looks just – it's beautiful home goods. Like there's like beautiful ashtrays that I actually like that look like aesthetically pleasing, but they're like $80. Mm -hmm. So yeah. – yeah. There's like a beautiful I, car lighter that's like it looks like it looks like it's just a paperweight and it like pops out of a piece of marble. Yeah. Like, it's beautiful. It's so. he the way he was talking about it, it's like he put into words something I didn't understand in my own brain where he's like everything for stoners has like the Grateful Dead on it or it's like tie dye or it like looks stupid like stuff you find on a boardwalk and he's like I just wanted to make like really nice looking stuff because I like interior design <laughs> and I wanted to make nice looking stuff for people who smoke weed and I was like that is so nice <laughs> what a nice thing for him to do he should they, they should really do um this would be probably something they could actually do that's a little more cost effective. So, hey, Seth Rogen, if you're listening, um, they should do stash boxes, uh, which like that's just it. it's what it sounds like. Honestly, it's a box where you keep your your stash. Yeah. <laughs> so you keep your your cannabis in there. You keep like um, paraphernalia, like pipes or whatever, Since like he... anything that can um, anything that can like produce smell is usually what I'll put mm. in there just to, you know, and you can get ones that are kind of like nice and sealable and like you can do lockable ones as well. Just so I'm that sure we can like for write whatever. to him on his Instagram and be like, can you make stash That's boxes, true. Or That's true. Maybe, maybe I'll send them a, yeah, send them a message, ask them to make stash boxes because I... I definitely would be interested in that because as I, I'll let you talk in a minute. I'm sorry. I just got excited <laughs> about it because I, when I was looking for, for stash boxes, um, like, cause I wanted, you know, I have two of them. I have like a small one and then I have a larger one, but the, I, I was looking for something that didn't like have marijuana paraphernalia on the outside. Yeah. Like, I just want something that's like a nice wooden box. Maybe it has a pretty design or like a mosaic or something, you know, like yes. I just wanted something that looks nice. And I did manage to find something, but a lot of them are like, it's like the Jamaican flag or it's picture of Bob Marley yeah. or it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah the Grateful tie -dye. Dead, tie-dye, like a bunch of stuff like that. Or just like is emblazoned with pot leaves and like, yeah, it's, it's like, okay, sure. But can I just have something that looks like, like, I, yeah. I want something where like, it's like fancy bar culture for drinkers. I want to have that, but for yes. this so that I can it's have like. It's almost like, like yeah. you don't want smoky weed to be your whole personality yeah which is exactly. what i think people assume people who smoke weed are mm -hmm. like 
And and I do understand like the the weirdness of me agreeing with that when I'm literally, you know, like doing shows about <laughs> weed. But also the reason I'm doing it is because people don't understand stuff. But like it isn't my whole personality. It's just something I'm passionate about because people will put that on you and they'll make it your whole personality and you're like dude, I'm not like just a stoner. Um, one other thing yeah. actually that I wanted to address just on the same vein with this, and I actually did throw it up on our Instagram a while ago, but Stephen Colbert, um, Stephen Colbert, I'm going to send you this episode. So I <laughs> hope you, uh, I hope that you listen to it. Anyway, uh, I, I don't think that he actually will um, because he's got a lot of stuff to do. I don't think he's an asshole or anything. Um, I just think that Stephen Colbert is very busy, but um, he did something that very, very much disappointed me. Um, it's like him and his writers, because the writers write the jokes and, you know, but whatever. Like yeah. the ho host can still decide what jokes to tell. And I really thought they did a really poor job on 420 because for someone who's like the adult in the room so much of the time, I feel like the way that he talked about cannabis on 420 was just like making fun of stoners. And that was it. Like you can make jokes about the ridiculousness of the fact that it's even outlawed. Like there's a lot of jokes you can make that don't rely on insulting people who use cannabis. Like, yeah. and that's, they just decided to cherry pick a story of someone being like the word marijuana is racist, which like, yes and no like i can see that from both sides but like if they wanted to tell that story they could have actually like gone a little more in depth and told it yeah. and if they didn't want to then they could have chosen different jokes okay but i don't appreciate being made right. fun of as like a stoner on 420 which is supposed to be like one of the few days of the year where we can actually be like you know loud and excited about being yeah users of of cannabis but like I thought that was really frustrating because I, I think it's it's what I see and it's the same thing that Seth Rogen was talking about on that episode of Armchair Expert, which everyone should go listen to. It's called Seth Rogen Returns. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing he was talking about where like even progressives, even people who have like have such progressive views on so many things still hit some weird, sort of weird wall with marijuana where they're just like, uh, well, that, no, I mean, like, it's no, people don't need that. Yeah. Like, whatever, you know, like, they really see it as a non-issue where, whereas it's actually a medicine that's compatible with a lot of pharmaceuticals and it really helps with a lot of, it, it really does help with a lot of medical conditions. And I know I talked about the other ones, so I'm not going to keep going on that. But anyway, so it's pretty much all, it's, it's either moralizing or it's racism or it's just bad science. Um, that's really the reason that uh, cannabis has been illegal. But anyway, so that's up to like the, the 1937 tax act and kind of the beginning of that history. And I think that's, yeah, I think it's important to talk about because like I say, even if you're progressive, you don't necessarily have access to all the facts or don't have access in mainstream society so i want to make it more mainstream so people can stop believing the lies yeah do you have any shout outs i was going to shout out the seth rogan returns episode as well <laughs> and then also on youtube watching the trixie and katya episodes where they talk about drinking and drugs are two different episodes and then um also on youtube the Try Guys have a DUI series where they're in like a closed race course and they set up a course where they did oh, cool. one run sober and then they do it high, drunk, sleep deprived, and texting. So they do all of these okay. different videos where all of them are one of those three and they see how they do. And with the high one, what happens is like you well, have a very don't drive delayed... high for one thing. Yes. <laughs> you have a very, but uh, I think what, Kind of what we were talking, what we're getting at here mm -hmm. is weed is not as dangerous as drinking, but you still are under the influence, so you shouldn't yeah. be operating a vehicle. Don't think that, like, because we're saying that it's not as bad as drinking, that it doesn't also have consequences. Yeah. So I would recommend watching that whole series. They do a really good job of, like, talking about it afterwards and being like, I did not expect this to happen or, you know, whatever. Uh, fun fact, DUI, actually, that... Um... That wording was changed. It used to be DWI and changed to DUI. Um, and my, my, so I've mentioned this before, but my dad was a chemical dependency counselor and he actually explained to me why they changed it. Um, because he said with DWI, that meant driving while intoxicated. And mm -hmm. most people would interpret that as meaning alcohol. 
so basically what he was saying is like, well, some people argue that they don't fall under that category because they weren't drunk, you know? And so they right. put driving under the influence instead because under the influence expands it. You can be under the influence of alcohol, drugs or whatever. And it's, it's a little clearer that like, yes, you can be prosecuted for whatever you're right. Yeah. Whatever it is, even if it's not uh, drinking and driving, but like, yeah, if you're driving stone, I mean, don't that's yeah, fucked up do that. <laughs> but also like yeah you totally deserve to get a ticket so yeah i don't want people to misunderstand me and and think that uh and think that i am swinging super hard in the other direction like like yes i am very liberal about my views on marijuana but at the same time i'm also a fucking adult so like you know just ugh, be responsible like you know, don't drive under the influence of marijuana. Like, like other drugs that you use, if you decide to yeah. use it medicinally, like, you have to do a little bit of work to figure that out. So, yeah. Right. So be an adult, guys. Not <sighs> like Harry Anslinger. But, mm -mm. yeah, that's all I got. Because I could just keep going on, but... And we will on the mm -hmm. next time we talk about cannabis. <laughs> mm -hmm. It probably be a couple weeks. Because I don't want right. to inundate people all over but i have seen that we've gotten some uh some listenership in uh the netherlands once we started talking about cannabis so Woo! Keep, keep that up get our european listeners shout out <laughs> to european listeners yeah laughing at how stupid the u.s is so yeah i i the fact that we have any listeners at all makes me very happy so shout out to literally all of our listeners it makes me happy too and i'm like addicted to looking at the map it makes me just so excited whenever i see a new <laughs> light come up on the map so yeah yeah all right all right that's all i got so i am rosie and facts matter i'm hope now that you know better be better and don't be racist <laughs>